Hello everyone, welcome to the Warif podcast, a place for dialogue on development that promotes social, economic and environmental progress. My name is Abir and I'm your host. It's my joy to connect with fellow developmental professionals, practitioners, academics and enthusiasts. My mission is to make the world a more kind, safe and clean place. I believe even small steps in the right direction can cause a chain reaction towards larger positive impact. Let's meet our guests and learn how they're working towards a better world. Welcome everyone to a new episode of Warif. Our guest today is Katie Delibout. Katie is a social leader providing resources to individuals looking for a community or help through life experiences. Katie offers inspiring podcasts. Her most inspiring podcast is Let It Out. I'm sure everyone knows that. It's one of my favorites. And she also offers growth workshops and digital courses to teach you skill sets that will help you through life. So today we're going to talk about how the skills of the creative process can be applied to the well-being economy of the conceptual age. Uh, ready to feel inspired. Here's Katie Delabar hey. teaching you how to be, <laughs> how to find confidence and pursue your goals, even in this wild age of the internet. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. So, Katie, tell us, who are you? Like, how do you define yourself and what do you do today? That's a great question. <laughs> um, well... I, I usually say I'm a writer, I think, because that's the thing I most want to be doing and do the least of, <laughs> but I'd still do, you know, I'm writing, you know, getting ready for interviews or writing on social media. So I still do do it, but, you know, and I'm working on constantly personal essays and writing in my own life, but I wrote a book that came out a couple of years ago about journaling. And so writing for emotional wellness is a big part of my life. And then, like you said, I host this podcast that I've been doing since 2013 and it's called Let It Out. And I host and produce another show about mental health that I co-host with Serena Wolf about anxiety specifically. And that is a really fun project that I do. So I guess I'd, I'd say that I'm a writer and, you know, podcast producer and host and host workshops and events and teach about creativity and connection and, you know, just navigating being in process and learning about ourselves and growing and friendship and a lot of talking in words in my work. (laughs) I love that. So what does Let It Out aim to offer and why? Why Let It Out? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I was a kid, my mom, whenever I was sick, like I had the flu or needed to throw up, she would always be like, let it out, let it out. You got to get it out and you'll feel better. And I think it's I the that. same with, yeah, I think it's the same with emotions, you know, like that's not incorrect. Like when you are sick, you need to throw up and get it out of you, or you need to go to the bathroom or, you know, wipe your nose, or blow your yeah. nose or cough or whatever, and dispel that negativity. And I think it's the same with emotions, especially negative emotions or things we're ashamed of or embarrassed by. And I heard this analogy from Debbie Ford many years ago, where she says the things we're hiding, what we're lying about, that is kind of like taking a beach ball and pushing it down. It takes so much in water. It takes so much energy to push that beach ball down and you have to manage it. And so my work really is about 
being truthful, you know, being honest with yourself through journaling and with other people through conversation and connection, because whatever you're lying about, you have to manage, you know what I mean? Like you have to, my grandma would always say a lie has no legs. It needs additional lies to support it. So you have to constantly remember where you are in your scheme essentially. And that's something that, you know, I've really taken on in the last several years that is, is a part of my life and the way I interact with other people which is trying to be as truthful and honest as I can be, because I think what we hold on to hurts us. And if we can let it out, you don't have to manage throwing that beach ball, pushing that beach ball underwater. It can just come up to the surface and it doesn't make a huge splash when you let it out. Right. But if you're pushing it down, eventually it's going to all come out. It's going to make this big splash. It's going to be this big thing. And that's, you know, shame and embarrassment. Like Brene Brown says, shame can't exist when it's shared, it dissipates. So, you know, let it out isn't necessarily about sharing your deepest, darkest secrets, but it's about being authentic and honest in yourself because then you can be seen and supported. And I think we all want to be seen and recognized for who we really are. You know, that's intimacy. So that's what I do in my writing. Without any judgments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to transition to a different topic. We're going to talk about the conceptual age, which is the age that we're currently in. Uh, We're transitioning from the industrial age to the conceptual age, which is based on creativity. And I've seen a transition also in uh, Let It Out, where you're offering programs like the process uh, where you're um, like trying to amplify creativity or a creative community. So have you seen such growth in this concept in the coming years and in the recent years? Yeah, about about creativity, like more more people talking about it. About shifting from the industrial age to the conceptual age and like having creative skill sets, uh, like being the main pillar uh, for the workforce. Yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, I can only, that's a great question and, and, and something that I, I would love your thoughts on too. I, I, I'm sure you know probably more about it than I do globally, but, you know, I, I can speak to my own experience and I guess, you know, living in the States, growing up in this, in, in, you know, America where we live in capitalism and we live in a society that, you know, there's a lot of problems with, obviously, and a, a lot to be grateful for. And, you know, my parents both worked full-time jobs for big corporations for all of my wow. life and upbringing. And that's, you know, what I what I saw modeled to me. And I didn't really have any examples of creativity or entrepreneurship. You know, my mom's worked the same job for nearly 40 years for a bank in HR and human resources. And so, you know, she's definitely a people person and a connector and, and some where I got a lot of my ability to connect and build community of, of, you know, living and growing up with a mom who worked in, in, in HR, but it wasn't a creative field. And, and I, and I think, you know, when I was in, in college studying, I, I studied journalism, I, I, which, you know, is, is a bit creative, you know, it's writing and, but I didn't necessarily know about creative fields until around that time. And now, 
I live in Los Angeles and, and prior to this, I lived in New York. And before that I was in Detroit and I'm always in these creative communities where I'm living with and, you know, surrounded by people who work in creative industries and, you know, and, and the wellness world is kind of what I really came up in. And, and my, um, you know, when I lived in New York and Detroit, I was more in that space. And here, I think I'm around, you know, people in, in visual arts, people who work in, in film and, and, you know, photography or, you know, people who are writers and creators. And, and also, you know, I have, I have friends outside of that as well. You know, like I have, I have several friends who are teachers and I have friends who work in tech. So I I think, you know, it it still exists in different Mm -hmm. spaces, but, but I definitely do feel like my generation, at least comparative to my parents' generation, there's a lot more, creativity and creative fields. Yeah. Yeah, Skill sets that are, that are needed just because of technology, I think. And because of social media, things are more visual, which is cool. And I also, you know, wonder what that's like for the generation behind me. And, and, you know, I, I assume it's just going to continue to grow and and evolve. Mm, Okay. So you mentioned something about wellness, What's your thoughts on the wellness economy, if you have any? I don't actually know what that is. Can you tell me what that is? What's the wellness economy? Like, because there's so many wellness. Oh, wellness. I see. Yes, wellness. Yeah, there's so many wellness products. And oh, yeah, I'm happy about at that. the moment. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, yeah. where do you see this heading? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Sorry. I thought you said oneness, um, which is also, you know, like, I believe we're all connected in oneness. I love that, too. Um, <laughs> wellness. Yeah. Oh, man, that's such a great question as well. You know, I think wellness is been commodified. It's been hijacked by capitalism and the diet industry. And that's something I'm very mm-hmm. passionate about debunking and speaking about and talking to people in my day-to-day life about as well as collectively and and the work I do with let it out and spiraling and my writing because debunking a lot of wellness myths and wellness practices that people have commodified and I I think that's a real detriment you know I, I think well-being practices have been around for millennia and self-care is actually you know been definitely hijacked by the diet industry as well. And I come from an, a background of, you know, the eating disorder recovery world. And I've, I've spent a lot of, I was just talking to, a, I do one-on-one creative consulting with people. And I was talking about this with a client yesterday of how you know, for better or worse, I'm an, I'm an expert of some sort or or not an expert, but I have a, a field of knowledge in eating disorder recovery more so than most other areas of my life, even though I'm not a practitioner and I'm not a dietitian or a, you know, an eating disorder specialist of any sort. I've from my own research and research of people around me and people I've done who have done the podcast, you know, I've been thinking and contemplating and talking about eating disorder recovery for, you know, a decade, it's been part of my life. And, And I think with that wellness is so related to it because I think it's a real slippery slope with wellness of like, Oh, I'm going to really like take care of myself and, and, you know, eat in this certain way and I'm doing it for well being and I'm doing it for my health and I'm doing it for longevity or I'm doing it for whatever, but really it becomes very Mm. 
intertwined with vanity. You know, it's like, okay, I'm doing this to feel more energized, but also like my skin's getting better. So, you know, really it's like, that's just a great side (laughs) effect. And then it's a slippery slope into, and you know what, if I eat in this certain way and I'm really rigid about it, I'm going to lose weight. And we live in a society that's really mean to people in larger bodies. And we live in a society that applauds thinness. And so when people lose weight, it becomes an addiction to keep doing it or sustain it. And I think wellness culture perpetuates that like in a way that I don't think is healthy. Yeah. And I think is really sad. And I actually self-care is something that is a term from activists, you know, of, of like, it, it, especially thinking back to, you know, the movement that really, really intensified in the summer of 2020 after George Floyd's death here in the States where, you know, Black Lives Matter became at the forefront of our minds and, and rightfully, rightfully so. Erica Chitty Cohen had this video, Erica Chitty mm-hmm. had this video where she said, self-care and wellness, well-being has to be a part of the movement. If it's not, it will be a big burn and then a bust. And I think I love that to make something sustainable, we have to take care of ourselves. And and that's been a, you know, self-care is a term that's been around for a really long time, coined by activists, you know? And I think Absolutely. I'm not the one that can even speak to that, you know, with so much privilege, but I I do think that these, these really useful practices of well-being, wellness, and, you know, even spirituality in some ways and self-care have been hijacked by capitalism and by the diet industry. And I think that's a real Mm loss. And I think we have to just be aware of that and, 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 and notice, and it comes with the self-honesty. And I think the best wellness practices are the ones that are free. I think it's connection it's, it's community and let it out, you know, really started wellness focused my work and it's transitioned to be less so, but, you know, ultimately I realized that wellness isn't just green juice and exercise. It's also, connection and relationships and creativity and purpose and being of service yes absolutely and do you see any overlap between wellness and creativity at the same time oh for sure absolutely I that's such a great question and kind of what my work has centered around which is you know my I, I lead this workshop for creatives. It used to be called Creative Underdogs, and and now it's called. Yeah, I was part of that. <laughs> Amazing! Yeah, I'm I'm so happy I that love you that. are. Yeah, yeah. It it's it's as you know, you know, it's we all are constantly in process and in process of creative projects. Sure, in process of relationships, in process of becoming better at being ourselves. You know, being human is being in process. It is creative to be human. I was working with someone one-on-one in my creative consulting practice and we were doing a session and and she's moving, she's moving cities. And and I said to her, like, right now, this is your project. This is what you're in process in. And it's not about, you know, getting in hours and your other creative pursuits. It's about this 
this is what's in front of you. It's about nurturing and watering the garden in front of you. And for her today, it's, you know, it's, it's exactly that. And so I think ultimately what we need to focus on as human beings is helping each other nurture and water whatever we're in process with, you know, whether it's dating and finding a partner or whether it's a creative project of writing a book or creating a new podcast or moving or, you know, the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's, there's always something. And I think that's, that's really important. And, and so I think the connection between wellness and creativity to answer your question is managing our nervous system. You know, I think when, when we are relaxed, Mm -hmm. when we are, taking care of ourselves when we are eating enough, when we are sleeping enough, when we are moving, when we are feeling supported by friends and family and community around us, we are then more able and more capable to be creative. And I think being creative is being of service, you know, whether you're entertaining people, making them laugh or making them see something differently, or maybe you're doing both. And I think to do that, it's managing our nervous systems. And, and that's really what my, my work with process is. The prefrontal cortex. Wonderful. Yeah. There's yeah. this quote by Brene Brown, where she says, unused creativity is not benign. So, you know, I think mm. creativity is wellness. Like I think if we're, if we're not creating, if we're not sharing something with the world, it can make us sick, you know, like, I think we need that purpose and that, like, I keep a notepad by my bed and I have to write down what I'm excited about the next day and what I want to work on. Because if I don't, I do the same thing. Yeah. If I don't, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't feel, I don't feel um, motivated and that's not wellness. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I feel like my nerves, like my brain cells are dancing before I go to bed. That's why I need the notepad next to me. Totally. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you the question you always ask us. What are you drinking at the moment? Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) Well, it's a little bit away from me. I'm going to go grab it, actually. But I've been drinking this infusion that I made. I make a lot of herbal infusions. And this one is from my favorite place to buy herbs in LA, in New York. It's this place called Flower Power in the East Village. In LA, it's this place called Wild Terra in my neighborhood. I'm so lucky and grateful that I have an amazing apothecary in my neighborhood. And the people that work there are Mm. so kind and tremendous. And if anyone's in LA and wants to get into herbalism or wants to buy Mm. herbs or spices or teas or, or tinctures, I highly recommend Wild Terra. I'm not, I don't like work with them or anything. I just love them and go a lot. So I'm drinking in a, a tea infusion with nettle, oat straw, alfalfa, horsetail, and it's just a tea. Yeah. But I've been really into herbalism. And if anyone wants to get into herbalism, I highly recommend Erin Lovell Verinder. And she's my very close friend. And oh. she wrote this book plants for the people and she has this new book coming out and she's done my podcast a couple of times. So if anyone wants to get into herbalism, I highly recommend her and my friend Rochelle who has supernatural and she's also done the podcast a couple of years ago and they will do, they'll both do it again. Erin Lovell, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I look her up. Interesting. So um, I'm going to talk about you, Katie. Was there an idea that sparked the beginning of starting Let It Out or an issue you saw that needed to be fixed? So I think I can probably pinpoint it to around the time that I was in treatment for my eating disorder, which I mentioned earlier, but I was in I was in college at the time or, or just, just finishing up. And I was, I just sort of got into to wellness practices, dabbling in them. I was just, I'm not really sure how it happened, but I was very interested in it. I'd become a vegetarian and I was doing a lot of yoga and teaching a lot of yoga and began meditating, I believe around that time. And I was reading a lot of self-help no. books and personal mm. growth books and inter- interning for a self-help book author. And I found myself, you know, in the back of a bookstore in the self-help section yet again with a gift card. And I was like, which self-help book am I going to buy this time that will solve all my problems and make everything perfect. And instead of buying one of those, I took my gift card and I bought a colorful journal of empty pages. And I spent the summer sitting outside on a blanket writing in this journal. And for the first time in my life, I was raw and real and authentic and honest with myself in a way that I hadn't been before. And that felt really great. You know, it felt really nice to be able to be, real and say my lofty goals and yeah. And also say my like fears and apprehensions out loud or not out loud, but in my journal. And it made me, it helped me to get to know myself better and it was, you know, self-awareness. And so that's something I bring into all areas of my work now, letting out what I call soft stories, these like tender, vulnerable tales that we write in our journals and share when we feel safe. Yeah. Lovely. What were you doing before this, by the way? So after college, I worked in marketing for a while and I did this on the side. So I I started the podcast in 2013 when I was just had graduated from college and I worked a job in marketing um, on the side of this, you know, as kind of a means to an end to fund my life. And and but I've kind of always been doing this in the in the background. So not really mm. anything. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. Okay. So how did you come up with ideas for your content, um, like in general for the podcast courses and the journals? What was your goal for each of them? Yeah, I think it, it really just came out of like what I thought I could be useful in, you know, where I had any experience, you know, I, I started this podcast and I ended up getting a book deal and writing the book. And then I was like, all right, well, I, I wanted to make some sort of digital workshop or digital course so I could leave my full-time job and, and do my work full-time. And so I was like, well, I guess I figured out how to start a podcast. I could probably help other people do that. And I was getting a lot of questions about how to start a podcast or what microphone to use and all of that. So I was like, all right, well, let me just put all that information in one place. And so in 2018, I started the podcast kit, which people can get now if they want to start a podcast, it helps, it guides you through how to do it. Because when I started mine, I had someone helping me, you know, it was my boyfriend at the time, but he got me my first microphone and 
taught me how to edit it and, and taught me all of that. And so eventually I figured it out and I had to do it myself and we broke up, you know, and, and now I have, I have people around me helping me with that, but it was really cool. And, and so I, I made a workshop about podcasting and then, you know, soon after that, I, I made a, a workshop about journaling and writing and sharing your writing. And, and that's called the right kid. And I've made zines and, and yeah. about everything, you know, as I experience it. So I have a workshop about breakups, which is kind of funny because, you know, I have experience yeah, and, I saw that. and heartbreak and, yeah. you know, it's there. And then, and then in process, the one that, that you were part of that we, that we are talking about is really like a culmination of all of them. You know, it's kind of a, a greatest sense of all of those things. And we don't really like cover the basics of like starting a podcast and get into technology of that, but we get into connection and creativity and, and productivity and, and moving forward. So like, um, let's talk about in process. How do you believe your creativity processes in the program in process can be of benefit to this era of well-being and creativity through in process? Yeah, I think that the biggest benefit of in process is the the community. You know, it's people all over the the country and the world, as you know, coming together to talk about our struggles and our wins and celebrate the wins and provide support and connection in the struggles and know we're not alone because I think creativity can be really lonely. At least it has been for me pretty often. So I think that's the, the greatest benefit from it. Hmm. So can you share with us a success story? Like, do you have a story where um, like a user of your service who was able to reach a goal or stimulate creativity that helped them? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I work with people one-on-one and I've, I've guided people to have some really big shifts of starting podcasts or writing books or, you know, publishing essays or, you know, making big moves. Like I, I kind of coach through my experience. So things that I've done, which is like moving across the country, traveling the world on my own, like, you know, these are, are sorts of things that I've helped people with one-on-one. And I think a, a big win of, you know, this group of in process there, there was someone who, you know, started a sake company. Um, there was someone who, wow. yeah, he, there's someone named Brian who is part of in process and has been from the beginning and someone I met in New York in a really kismet way. And they started a coffee shop with two friends in New York it's called daughter. And at the beginning of in process, it didn't exist. It was this idea that they had that they wanted to do. And they were a barista at another coffee shop. And, you know, they now have a coffee shop. That's their creative idea. And and that's really beautiful. And they're also a photographer and, you know, have create in a lot of different mediums. And, you know, so there's definitely some big shifts that people have made, which is really special and cool. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. I, I wish I could have you longer, but I know you have some errands to do. Oh, yeah. No I'm rush. Taking... Take your time. <laughs> if, you, if you have more questions, I'm, I'm around. Thank you so much for being here. I'm a big fan of In Process and also your podcast, Let It Out. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Talk to you Thank soon. You. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us and listening to Arif. Remember that you can make a difference in the world, even with small steps in the right direction. If you'd like to support the show, please leave a rating and a review. 
If you have a suggestion or a comment for future episodes, email me at abwer at warif.com. Until the next episode, have a good one.